Welcome to Nithwit. I'm Chad Reddick. I'm JJR Dimes. And I'm Andy Kinney. And today we're going to be talking about Hyperlight Drifter. Uh, Hyperlight Drifter is a game that was developed by Hard Machine and it was released in 2016 on, are you prepared? Everything. Windows, OS X, Linux, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PlayStation Vita, and the Ouya. What? I'm not Ooh. joking. It's <laughs> on the Vita? <laughs> Even more surprising. Uh, <laughs> I actually feel like this game would look really great on the Vita. It would. Yeah, probably, yeah. Well, what could you do with the little, like, touch feelers in the back? You don't have to Goddamn nothing. Wait, well, Ever. but they're there. So? It's like Wii logic. That you you mean, gotta waggle something. No. You that's waggle the, your Vita around. That's the problem with third-party Wii games. <laughs> oh, it's a comparison. As they all stupidly try to incorporate <laughs> motion controls where they have, don't belong. You have to waggle your motion stick, and you have to, like, feel up your touch stick or whatever. Yeah, you I guess you feel up your touch stick. That's good. I guess it's a rectangle. Something wrong with but the yeah, it's on it's on many platforms. It's all, just, yeah. Everybody waves your Vita's in there. The Ouya like is just done also, care. right? Just as a confirmation about life. What is it? The Ouya. It's, it's like a dead thing. Yeah, I, I don't. I've, I'm, I don't think it ever. I think it was just miscarried. I don't think it ever saw it in the light of day. It, it is a. It completely I mean, it baffles me that it's even listed in the, like. Platforms released on. You think Wikipedia thing. would have just made the judgment call that it's not a platform? That they're just like, oh yeah, I don't think that counts. Like, I maybe it was developed for the oh yeah. Are these? Sim- it didn't simultaneously launch on all. No, these. it actually just came out on PS4. Yeah. Uh, uh, cool. And it actually has a Wii U release that is coming later. Oh yeah, I forgot about it. Yeah, that. it's yep. it's doesn't have a release date yet. The map would be cool with that. Oh yeah, have the map yet. Because map, ooh, okay, all right. Let's talk about this game that we're played. Good. Um, <laughs> we're played. That, that, <laughs> that we're played around. Yeah. Let's talk about this game that we're played. <laughs> this game and then their hills. So. Gotcha. This <laughs> game. Uh, game. Game. Uh, Prospectors, Vitas, and throw them away. Yeah, they, they <laughs> sit, they're sifting through dirt and they find an Ouya and just put it away. And they're like, oh, a Vita. He'd sell this for 20 bucks. There are rivers <laughs> in the Appalachia whose beds are entirely composed of Vitas. <laughs> the Vita quarry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this game that we played, mm-hmm. um, how would you, I don't know, how, how do you describe this game generally? It's like a Super Nintendo, like, top-down action-adventure, like A Link to the Past but it's more combat focused yeah. and less puzzle focused. Yeah. It well, really doesn't have any puzzles. It's it all kind of has it has it like has puzzles environmental in the way that, like traversal. a platformer has puzzles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also uh, so obviously probably the most like distinguishing thing about this game, probably the reason anyone looked at this game at all cuz it was really pleasing to look at. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 art design is just like incredible. Yeah, it is Intense pixel art, like psychedelia. <laughs> it is the it's, only game in my whole life that I have ever committed to purchase solely off of a trailer and nothing else. Yeah. I didn't even know, based on the first trailer, like what this game was going to be. At that point, it essentially just showed like top-down 2D pixel art guy running around, <laughs> and I was like, "That's enough. It's very pretty." Yeah, yep. it is very, very pretty. I feel like this game has the best pixel art that I've ever seen. I agree. Yeah. 
I mean, it's obviously not, like, objectively the best pixel art. <laughs> no. Because we're not going to define best on this podcast right, right well, now. Well, I mean, the, the issue more is in the fact that this game, like, just does not look as detailed as other games that have pixel art. Right. It's just, its aesthetic is so well-defined. Like animation within the 2D structure. Is also really good. Like, my... I solidified my belief of best pixel art ever, like, a minute into starting the game. There's... The cutscene? Yeah, you remember the scene in that cutscene where the tower comes out of the ground when he's talking to the dog? Yeah, the whole game, yeah. I was just like, and that is what I want yeah. to continue but seeing. It's a subdivision of that scene. Right. Within that scene, when it comes out of the ground, there's like pixel water or blood or some kind of liquid that like splashes out and falls. Right. Literally just that liquid stuff coming out and hitting the ground like water was enough for me to be like, this deserves awards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yes, yes, yes. I actually like said some kind of expletive, I think. Best Pixel Water 2016 yeah. goes to Hyperlight Drifter. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I am inclined to agree with you that I, I think that this game looks in- yeah. incredible. The Jewel Tone color palette is just fantastic. I'm also going to go ahead and just, spoiler alert... Uh, when I took notes on this game, yeah. uh, because of the way that this game made me feel as oh, a human acid. being, you were I was on so, so much acid. No, yeah. uh, I, I separated all of my like thoughts into good, bad, and question mark. Like, I don't know if this is good or bad. Okay. And I actually put the art style under I don't know how I feel. Because I love how this game looks, and yes. I will never disagree with that, but I felt that it actually did hinder the gameplay in, on occasion. It, yes, on occasion. Yeah, yeah, it was never a huge deal. Yeah. But it emphasized like the things that I liked least about this game, which I'll get into as we start our whole thing. Mm-hmm. But on the topic of how like good the game looks, like in that opening cutscene in particular, this game comes out of the gate like a baller. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just like boot the game up and the first thing you see is just this like fucking crazy like it's a live feed from like the NBA jam and they have like the giant inflatable weird tube that they always walk out of and they come through the smoke <laughs> but it's just LeBron this James. incredible cuts <laughs> it's a LeJohn it's a Le, it's a LeJohn it's James. LeJohn Brames uh, oh. <laughs> either way uh <laughs> But yeah, so you end up you start with this cutscene that like is supposed to establish something. I don't really know because a tone. Yeah, like obviously the plot and the lore of this game are not particularly like clear. Nope, they're not clear at all. It's right. maybe the least clear plot, the most open-ended narrative I've ever experienced in any game. I think that actually I could be accurately said to have like a specific narrative. Right. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, but it, it does make what. I guess it, it makes things that happen in the game make a little bit more sense in context. But my original thoughts on this cutscene, the reason I brought it up at all, was just to talk about how cool it fucking looks. <laughs> so. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Right. But, like, looking at. Because obviously, like, it starts. I haven't watched the opening cutscene since I started the game. It Three just, times. like, stuck with me. Three times. It's a lot of times. Uh, so many times. But you get introduced to your character, and, like, obviously he's in a bad way, and he, like, stands up, and then just shit goes crazy. 
And so, like, it explains, like, you see that in the game when your character, like, just keels over and starts, like, coughing up blood like an idiot yeah. all over the place. <laughs> uh, like an idiot. Like this dumbass is vomiting blood constantly. <laughs> and then the coolest thing in the game, which are there's the titans, like, the four huge humanoid dudes yeah. and like who occasionally hug mountains and occasionally are just drowned. body parts all over the place. Yeah. yeah, these are drowned one. Oh man. Yeah. This game starts off incredibly strong. It, it, and it's not just uh, they show more than just the weakness that your character shows over the course of the game too because you do have one like establishing badass scene where you try and cut up the shadow thing and fail right. you don't fail because you're not cool because you're very cool because <laughs> yeah, you move fast because you, you have, have hyper light drift yeah you do all the like hyper sword things but he lives anyway so it, you know you you are also cool right it's on that note yeah not the note of being cool, but you on the note of... you have blue skin? Not really. Uh. Though, I mean, that would make sense, because you're so cool. <laughs> but it, this game is called Hyper Light Drifter. Yeah. And yeah. you are clearly a drifter. Yeah. Right. What is Hyper Light? Did we know? The color tone? Yeah, I was thinking it was, like, the color palette of the game. Was hi- Okay. Because, like, the way that I came into this game... Because, like, people talk about Mass Effect, and they're yeah. like... It's a really evocative name, but, like, once you play the game... It explains what that is, like what the Mass Effect mm-hmm. actually is. Mm-hmm. But Hyper Light Drifter just seems like an evocative name for the sake of it being like, oh, look at this, like, crazy nonsense. I, <laughs> I disagree. I think it just is supposed to describe the aesthetic of the game. As, but I think the, 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 like, iconography and, like, the typeface does that better than the name itself, because the name just sounds like nonsense. I do agree that it's evocative. I'm yeah. not arguing against that. I just, I think it's supposed to be like a meta name, like like Drive Hard or something. It's, <laughs> it's just not, like that. It's like Drifter colon Tokyo Drift. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not describing specific things that are hyper, that are happening in the game. It's sort of just describing, like, really generally what's happening in front of you. Like, you're moving super fast, everything's very intense in, like, color and action. So, like... And you're like you're literally drifting. Like you're just like skidding across the screen with like a little light. Is, is that what they actually call that? Drifting? Yeah. That's what I called it. Uh, I called it the dodge roll. Is there a they other than like the general community? Does anyone else have just have names for these things? I'm not. A, I, in the achievements, they name things occasionally. Yeah, and I think but the Steam trading cards have names. But on they're all tarot too. cards. Yeah. The yeah the Steam trading cards are the achievements are not. But like there's some like. I don't know. I only got two achievements because apparently some of them are bugged. Which is kind of unfortunate, but I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of them was like hit five enemies with a and it's called like a light grenade or something. <laughs> like your special move mm-hmm. has a name in the game. Uh, and so there are just like some things that have names, but it's clearly not important so they didn't emphasize it. Yeah, I... I know what what some at least fans are calling things, but I have no idea if those things have any sort of basis in the lore of the game. Like the the shadow creature is called Judgment by everyone. Right, people that's just, actually his actual name. Cool. People refer to the dog as Anubis. I don't know if that's also just a convenience thing. I think that is also its actual name. I didn't. I didn't look any of this. Actually, when I play a game yeah. nowadays, I do. I feel like I am likely to look something up at some point 
This game I never did, which was kind of weird. It, it led me along well enough that I never felt the need to, but I think it was actually aided by the fact that I didn't know what anything was because they didn't have names, so I couldn't just Google, like, weird house symbol, hyperlight drifter, what mean? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, 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 in fact, experienced this specifically because I encountered, like, one specific, I guess you'd call it a skill challenge, that was just so hard that I thought I was missing something stupid and obvious, and I was I, I, I had to complete the game a few days before the cast, so mm. I had limited time and didn't want to waste time just dying twenty oh, other right, times right, on again. this spike yeah. trap again. So, I, but I couldn't I couldn't Google well enough to find the answer, so I just had to brute force it anyway. And just like, was it the one on the bridge? Uh, it's, it's the one where you get a. Well, the first time it was when you get a key, you get a key at the end of it. You are on this sort of long bridge in the western side, but you can there's a secret that lets you go down and around the yep. circumference. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It was that. All right. I just wanted because that's the only spike spike thing that I remember being like difficult. Yeah. That I encountered tough, a yeah. much harder one, but never ended up googling that one because I was already sort of jaded about my other attempt right. later. I found one thing that I could not pass for the life of me, and that was I assume either for an optional. Uh, diamond, or for one of those like 2001 A Space Odyssey monoliths, right? Uh, which was like in the south, which is this huge, one of those vanishing plates. But it was just like so inexplicably large that I couldn't get across it. I don't think I ever found like a vanishing plate that large. Yeah, you have to actually beat the boss of the of the south before you can go do it. Oh, crazy. Like, yeah, it's strange. But the, the fact that nothing had like proper names uh, allowed me to do what is, like, my favorite thing in the world, which is give everything my name. own name. See, I really dislike that in a game, because right. I think it makes it way more forgettable. I suppose. Because, like, I found myself, like, I really enjoy. I played this game a couple months ago when it came out, and I really enjoyed it, and then we were revisiting it for the podcast, so I'm like, do I need to replay it? And then I started to try to think of it, and, like, could not remember so much stuff. Like, you didn't have, like, a name to put to yeah, something. I, yeah, yeah, so, so, like, I just, I gave stuff my own names right. and then forgot them all, so I have, like, no anchor point. Uh, so, like, I feel like this game really could have benefited from, like, giving things some some stuff names. Yeah, I, I think that the, the intent was just to not have any text in the game, Yeah, and the I think the only concession they made was with controls and, like, tutorial messages. Yep. And then well, I found, like, an alternate costume, which I didn't mm -hmm. even know was a thing that was in this game, in the South, which I assume is one that you have to find because the dude's yeah. just right there. Uh, and it, like, was like, go back to base. And it was so, like, weird to see text on the screen mm -hmm. after having played the game for, like, six hours and having not seen any text yep. since the first hour. But yeah, I don't know. I like giving stuff names for myself because I feel like it helps me remember it more. Because like I never remember Zelda boss names. I, I <laughs> always remember like weird descriptors that I give them. It's just easier for me. I guess it also in the case of this game, it, it was harder for their bosses, like Zelda bosses, to have some kind of really easy, clear, unifying feature. Like just off the top of my head, even though I don't know the name of the creature, there was a boss I think in uh, not Twilight Princess, but the one that came after it, Skyward Sword. Yeah, that was like a giant like lava rock boulder, and you had to like hack away 
pieces of its yeah, rock skin. I remember it. Yeah. yeah, like like just the description of like lava boulder monster yeah. is like enough for you to probably just assume the rest With of the features of the creature. Right. But you can't really do that for any of the bosses in Hyperlight Drifter. Like there's a Raccoon frog King. guy. I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna this is a this is a minor spoiler for a discussion that I want to have later in the okay. podcast. But I attempted to order the bosses by difficulty yeah. because I noticed that my first boss experience completely separated like what I thought the game was going to be from what the game actually was um, because I went west first and west first yeah oh it yeah. was oh, so fuck and I wasn't like I was just, <laughs> my assumption at that point it's basically like people who played Dark Souls uh, and went to the catacombs yeah skeleton and zone. thought that like oh well I've heard this game is hard so I should just try and go through it. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. So I got to who I've dubbed the hardest boss in the game, King Santa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and just ran against it. And I think because of like how quick the iteration time is in the game, more times than any boss in any game I've ever played, I think I've, <laughs> I, I had to have gone up against this dude at least 30 times before I eventually killed him. It was like... Because I know I had zero upgrades. I had not upgraded anything. Yep. I just walked in and was like, all right, King Santa, let's throw down. <laughs> and, oh, man, like, I found out that you could, like... You, like Dodge? Well, no. I was already... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even want to talk about the dodge. Cause, I mean, I do want to talk about the dodge a lot, but not right now. talk about it later. But uh, one of the thing that I discovered to like when I actually beat the fight is that you could get him to destroy the crystals that hold those dudes. Yep. And then so I would just run around and have him kill all of his friends. Of course. And then just kill the fuck out of him. But I think that after I beat that stupid dude, I just became God at this game because like I just had to do really well to beat him with no upgrades, and so every other thing just seemed much easier in comparison. Uh. I actually think that the Dark Souls comparison there is like spot on. Exactly. Because JJ like hit a wall with this game when he started playing it the first time. It was when I it was when I quit. Yeah. And and I was doing some thinking on it and I'm like this game has a reputation for being really hard and when people go into it and they hit a part that's too hard for them, they just give up because they know the game's supposed to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Instead of like you know just trying something else, right? Or reevaluating the situation, or leaving, or leaving. That was yeah. the most important thing in the case of this game that I had to recognize. It was something that I, I don't think ever had to do in Dark Souls naturally, but like the point that made me quit the first time was that I didn't realize that the health things respond. Oh, so right. I just thought like, okay, I'm in this. I've shitty... used all of the health. <laughs> yeah, I'm in this yeah. shitty infinite spawn room, and I've got one pack. Uh-huh. Can I make it? Uh, and the answer just kept being no so many times. And then I talked to Andy about these troubles, assuming that this is a game like uh, that's again it's supposed to be that hard. And he's just like, leave, go upgrade your stuff, teleport back. Yeah, yeah I was like, go upgrade, get more health packs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I only got, uh, I bought one health pack upgrade. What? What do you mean? You didn't get both? No, I didn't feel like I needed it. Poor <laughs> God, are you kidding me? It's, Imagine this. Well, it's not even that. It's like packs. I was thinking about like. The the plus like the the give and take of like spending the the gear bits that I had on 
specifically the health pack, were getting awesome upgrades for the dash <laughs> that I was just like, I'm never buying a health pack again when I could just continue to buy awesome dash <laughs> upgrades. Because these, the, the dash in this game, and I don't know if this affects you guys as much as it does me, uh, but the dash in this game, by default, does not have iframes. You just have to actually get out of the way of things, yep. which I'm not used to doing because I've, in the past year, have spent, like, probably 2,000 hours playing <laughs> some combination of Monster Hunter or Dark Souls, games that heavily rely on iframes. Okay. <laughs> and so that's part of the reason that King Santa was so hard for me is because I would dodge out of the way of his shit, but, like, I would do it too close to when the hitbox actually hit me and I would just get, like, bonked against a wall. Yeah, that's that was one of my problems with the game, I think, was that the dodge wasn't as like precise as I thought it was or I mean? wanted it to be. Cuz what like the hardest bo- one of the hardest bosses for me was the sorcerer bird man. Okay. Uh cuboid bird is what I put. I put him at second easiest. What is a cuboid? It's just a description. It's a like something Cubish? that is cube-like. It's yeah. a, yeah. a cop out. It's a pixel art creature. He, no, but he, but he makes a... squares yeah. on the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. So he would do like this: the snake <laughs> the cu- of cubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was easy to dodge. But then, like in his second phase, he, he made the, the giant X oh, and yeah. the giant cross. And like I try to dodge diagonally, and I would always go too shallow of an angle or too steep and I would get hit anyway. Yeah, you either go into the next line yeah. or not quite so, out like, of yours that, enough. I always lost health to that yeah. at least once because like it was like, because the game wasn't as demanding about it so I never got that good so right. that one specific spot like it, I had to be that precise and like could not. I yeah. was like, ah! There were three really <laughs> important upgrades for me um, that I feel like I... <laughs> Like, I don't know if I would have been able to beat the last couple of bosses, or at least definitely not as easily as I did mm-hmm. without them, and it's Reflecto Sword. Yeah, the, that one's really good. Yeah, the iframe dodge, and uh, uh, a third thing. <laughs> okay, first a clarification on the iframe stuff, because I'm eventually going to loop back around for my take on that, too. Oh, Chain, chain Dash. Oh, Chain Dash. Yeah. Is, is that when you get that upgrade? Is it literally just iframes, or does it? I was under the, uh, it the just perspective that only projectiles. works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do absorb the projectiles. What I thought. But that's most of the time when you need the iframes. Right, right. Because like you're trying the, to get away, so you can always leave. Yeah, people yeah. who attack with melee range typically give you enough of a telegraph that you can just move, yep. and you're usually alright. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to go against the room here on sort of the stance of the dash. I actually kind of love games that have dodges like this game where you just are very fast and can move long distances that don't have iframes. Mm. It's, uh, this is definitely a personal thing with me and it's all the stranger because so many of the games that I enjoy that actually have these dodges like use iframes as that sort of crutch right. over the biggest offender being like the Kingdom Hearts games or just const- being like a constant iframe state. Just, just like always dodge rolling. Yeah. yeah uh, I know Aqua's cartwheel in Birth by Sleep is supposedly like completely like hit proof. Iframe sitting. Yeah, if you keep yeah. cartwheeling, you can't get hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I loved having to be this constantly aware uh, of my positioning in a game that's designed to be like this Dark Souls-like tense. Right. I, I, 
I'm not trying to say that it was like a, a general principle that I'd apply to all situations. Mostly just because I don't. I feel like it's a situational thing. I it, it's contextual. Yeah, I, I think that in this game, the no iframe dodge works because the game is a two dimensional game, and so it's really about putting yourself at like the appropriate angles and like mm-hmm. setting up attacks. It's way clearer to see where everything is. Right. Yeah. In the, in a 3D game, it's nice to have dodge rolls because you can get with iframes because the hitboxes are more complicated, and it's like, in this game, if something hits your character model, it hits you. In Dark Souls, like, if a guy swings a hammer down, and you roll, you and you get clipped by, like, some errant pixel from the top, mm-hmm. then that just, it feels unfair, because yeah. it seems like you've dodged out of the way. So the iframes work a lot better in 3D games than in 2D games. That makes sense. Yeah. And you, you can't, they kind of, in order to have the precision of 2D into 3D in a way that it works as natural in a 2D setting, you would have to have, like, the perfect hitbox. Yeah. Like a hitbox that wasn't a box and was instead just the character yeah, and just the, the weapons of the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and again, this is, like, I assume this is grid-based, but just, like, fine, like, f- finely uh, tuned, I guess. I don't know. Because, like, your movement isn't completely perfect in terms of, like, how you move around, but... What do you mean by perfect? Like, one-to-one in terms of... Well, like... Like, like the difference between, like, moving the analog stick in a circle and your character going in a circle, as opposed to moving the analog stick in a circle and having them go in an octagon. Right. Oh, I get what you mean now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's... You're correct in that, but it's close. I mean, it was close enough that I could do all of the chain dashing challenges in circles without messing up. Well, yeah, I mean, that, I, well, that's what I'm saying. But I'm in defense of the like hitbox thing yeah. because, like, you're probably not just a walking thing of pixel because you aren't a walking thing of pixels to get murdered. Mm-hmm. You have like a defined area that hurts you, and so like having that. Dodge seems fine, yeah. uh, given the like constraints of the the, the the type of game this is. Yeah, Goblin. yeah. I thought it worked most of the time, but there were some parts where I felt like it didn't control the way I wanted it to. The one thing that I really want wanted wasn't like a meter uh, that like told you when you couldn't dash anymore. They have that. The like blinking thing at the top. Yeah, I could never like read that properly. Because, like, it'd blink, and I, it would, like, be low, and I'd be, like, uh, and I'd dash, like, to experiment, and it would be, like, okay, and then other times I would hit it, but I thought it was around in the same area, and he would just be, like, nope, not doing it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is things that I don't understand. Well, I was... it comes, it's, it's a HUD thing, which is one of my biggest complaints with this game, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when you texted me that, I had no idea what you were talking about. Oh. I, I think the HUD in this game is, like, a normal ass... Uh, it's. I mean, game. I don't. Did you play this like on a computer monitor? Yeah. Okay. Then I don't know if it's my problem or if I, I am correct in this, but I think that the HUD is way, way too small, given like how it is laid out on the screen, and I died to the HUD way more times than I feel like I should have, because I want to know how much health I have, because I'm managing health packs, and I want to know how much health the boss has, because they have phase changes based on their health, and also they have, you know, you just want to know how much health the goddamn boss has. And I would have to, the bosses move so fast, and you move so fast, and your reaction time has to be so much on it, that actually looking up to see how much health that I had 
and taking my eyes off the character was too much for me to do occasionally, and I would end up getting, like, walloped because of it. But this game, at least in the case of your personal health, has, like, tons of non-HUD-based cues about how much health you have. Like, the, there's actually five progressive stages of light dimming, and that's not even counting when you start to bleed at two health or less. And your little dude blinks when you need health as well. With well, the yeah, symbol. but I mean, that's like... It, <laughs> this comes from my... Uh, my first boss experience. Right. Um, first of all, the bleeding is not helpful. Why? Why not? <laughs> in like a situation like that, because you're not. You, that is. It takes long enough for that to show up. That like, if you need the health pack at that moment, because there's like a you're in between a volley of attacks. Mm -hmm. Noticing the blood is not going to be the thing that saves you. The, the I don't I have no idea what you're talking about in terms of life of light dimming. Oh yeah, I never screen, saw this. It's sort of like an effect similar in movies when like the character is semi-conscious and it's like, like very blurs. black. Yeah, it's like it, you have five distinct stages of blur going downward. I never even noticed. Yeah, that. it was between it was the the blur and the blood were the two things that were my constant calls for my own personal health. I almost never looked at the HUD for that reason. Oh, I was just I was always darting up to the HUD to make sure that I had. And also, when you like when you've beat, played a boss a number of times, I start to learn how much damage each move does, mm -hmm. and so know when you need to. Yeah, if I'm at two health and I know that he's preparing an attack that only deals one damage if it hits me, I'm not going to heal. Which might also come from the fact that I never bought the second health upgrade. So there's <laughs> yeah. that. See, I never. I'm in. I'm the middle ground here, where I never found it an issue to be looking at the HUD. Uh, maybe I was just too focused on. The I thing. guess. Yeah. I I was able to just like look at the screen and take in all the information. Like in a game like once. this, for me, I'm always so tied up in like the actual mechanics of the combat, in sort of like a Dark Souls-style way, where right. you get so zeroed in on all the animations and what both characters are doing and what th what things are going to happen two seconds from now, right. that I never like I never thought to check it most of the time. I was just... it, it if, I, if some kind of other visual cue on the screen told me to, I would then try and plan for it and go for it. But otherwise, like left to my own devices, it... It was rarely, it felt like a cost if I didn't notice it immediately because I'd just still be dodging and doing all the crazy normal stuff I do to try and desperately stay alive in these sorts of combat-oriented games. Hmm. I don't know. They, I've, it could just be a gameplay difference because, like, I never... I, 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 I always have to manage, like, HUD elements because I play the game very, like, programmatically where it's like... Because, like, once you, I, I keep, I'm going to continue using the West's boss as a... The Raccoon King. The, the King Santa. Yes, King uh, Santa. As the, uh, like, example here. But it's like, once you get, like, the patterns down, yeah. it's a matter of just, like, if I got hit, like, if I have this amount of time left before he does his next thing, or if he, like, starts charging the, the shot or mm -hmm. whatever, uh, like, that is a beat. And in that beat, I could either attack or I could heal. And so it's like, I can attack, I could unload a full six shots into him, or I could run in and slash him if I'm out of ammo, yeah. or I could heal if I'm at two or less health. Because once he gets into a second stage, he starts doing three slashes, and then you have to time your dodges with that. And it's just like, I'm never like not thinking about the amount of health that I have. Nah. And so I always need to have it there. 
I was not to the point where I could just manage my own health in my head. Like, doing that math on top of everything else seems impossible. But maybe I'm just too robotic. I don't know. I, I like kind of do that, too, but more in boss battles. Like, not really as much outside of boss battles. Outside of it, you have enough time between yeah, encounters. Yeah, right. Yeah, if I just had a larger HUD, I feel like I would have... It didn't even need to be that much bigger. Just, like, just bring it in on the screen a little bit, and I would be fine. But it was it bothered me so much because I would die because I didn't know that I was within like a hit of death, or I would just be looking and miss dodge and attack. I feel like it's relevant to the discussion also that I played this game very defensively. The further along that I went, the more upgrades that I got, the more I was like a primary gun character. Mm. I do really like the guns in this game. Yeah, that was actually a big thing for me. It because for whatever reason. I usually go more for melee combat in video games. I was assuming coming into this that you were like, I was going to be like, I really like the gun. You were like, I never use the gun. <laughs> like, now, that just seemed like yeah. the thing you going, were going into to say. it. I kind of assumed, like, because, like, any kind of, like, the limited promotional material, like, kind of showcases the sword. Right. Yeah. So I figured, like, sword good, gun <laughs> for, like, emergencies <laughs> or, like, specific situations. Yeah. So I tried to just use the sword almost exclusively and only use the gun with my when my back was against the wall. Right. So I had to like adjust my way of thinking to actually like use the gun. Yeah, because yeah. you're you're incentivized to do it. Yeah. Like, you're you're supposed to be the crazy one gun, one sword guy who just flows between both naturally as you go. Right. Yeah. That's the the that's the thing that I think this game did probably better than like any other game that I've played. Ever. Ever. Is that I, I feel like this game made the use of guns feel like they could just be part of your combos. Like, when I was attacking a guy, I could use the gun completely in tandem with the sword and, like, be reaching. Like, I never felt like I was. I never bought a gun ammo upgrade because I just, like, could always have my guns charged. And, I mean, that's helped by the fact that, like, one hit on an enemy. Like, yeah, one I, shot in the I like the way they link them together. Yeah, whereas like you have to use the sword to recharge the gun. Yeah, and that's another thing. I don't know if you because I apparently there. I don't know. This game has more things in it than I thought it did. Yeah, uh, and there there's guns, a lot of secrets. Yeah, there are guns that I did not get. Um, what? Yeah, like oh, man, I, I didn't find the rail gun, and huh. maybe that's the only one. I, I finished the game with three guns. I don't remember. I had. I definitely had at least four. Okay, I'm gonna try and go through live. I on think cast I, I might not remember. <laughs> Handgun, shotgun, railgun, giant ball gun. The one that explodes. What? The uh, the the ball gun, the one that like you fire it and it goes like kind of slowly and then hits a thing and explodes. Like, oh, I didn't like even realize it explodes. The reason I didn't realize it explodes because you the never way. fucking used it because it's terrible. I used pistols. I, I, you said you liked the guns plural, and right. I was curious about that, because I, I used, sure. like, a ton out of the handgun. More and more as I played the game, it was just Wait, me. did you not get the sniper? Like, the thing with the laser sight? No. Did you? Oh, yeah, that was okay. my favorite gun. Okay, I hated it, but that's, uh, it's to each his own with the guns in the Yeah, sword. like, when you, you hit the bumper, and he, like, aims the gun, it would have just, like, a laser sight that pointed, so you can tell 
more easily what you were hitting. Oh. It also does like a boatload of damage. Yeah. Hits, so. You only have three shots with it. Yeah. yeah. I was generally kind of, despite how much I used them, I was, I recognized that I was kind of bad at aiming them. So the reason that I crutched the handgun so much is because I felt like I was less punished for my missed shots. True. So. I, I don't know why it, like, maybe it's because when I was a child, I played a ton of Robotron, but... <laughs> <laughs> it felt so, like the way that this game this game just like has the mechanics of a twin stick shooter just built into the game that doesn't focus on it at all makes it like it just feels really natural coming from like that smash tv kind of arcade experience to just be like you point at the enemy and shoot the gun it's yeah i don't even have a lot of experience with twin stick shooters and it i think it feels really nice yeah oh yeah it always feels good it's just yeah yeah, the pistol was still my favorite weapon, regardless of whether or not, like, I was doing well or poorly with it against the thing. The pistol just always felt right because you could just kind of, like, pop off some shots in the middle of a thing. Yeah. Um, it was fast, and fast is so important to the flow of this game, even outside of boss fights. Right. You just always wanted to be able to react to things, so I just, I was like, oh, I'm not going to use heavier weapons, why would I do that? Well, the shotgun has some incredible, like, use in combat, I found. Especially uh, by the time I was in the last stage, um, the... I don't know what you want to call them. Like, the little robot guys who, like, they just, like, hover around and then they'll stop and just, like, fire out, like, a, a bunch of shots mm-hmm. in a row. Like, three shots or whatever. Yeah. Uh, if you're, like, close up to them, uh, <laughs> they'll, like, fire the three shots you reflect them all with the sword and then put one shotgun into them and they will just die. Nice. So it was just like a less than a second kill on those. And then it was um, it was really good on IG-88 and Friends. What? <laughs> one of my other proper nouns that I invented. Uh, one of the southern bosses um, is a dude, like a little like robot guy with a tall head. That would like, who sent out a bunch of little drones. Oh god, is IG88 the name of that assassin in Star Wars? Yes, he's the bounty hunter. God, the boss that was like the fake out like diamond thing. Yes, yeah, that That was such a great idea. Yes, that was was. really good. Yeah, but yeah, the the shotgun's really good on him because like you can just put a spread into the cloud of things and (laughs) most of them will take damage. So it ended up that's where I use that the most. Yep. So that's fair. It was a cool boss. There yeah. were many cool bosses. There were a lot of cool bosses in this game. Yeah. There cool really game. weren't many bosses in the game. They were seven? just all good. Yeah, exactly seven. Yeah. 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 I have them in order of difficulty in my experience, if you would like to. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to completely disagree with your list based on what I already know about it. It's possible. Is your number number one not Santa? No. Oh, wow. What's your number one? Uh, Sterling Archer. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> These codenames were out of control. That is on my list: drunk sniper, which I the put guy with third hardest. the guy with the bow and arrow was like super hard for me. Why is he Sterling Arch? Because oh, he's an archer. archer. Oh. That's apparently like the he's like, like, like well. fan community name for him. <laughs> that's okay. pretty good. I like yeah. that actually. Um, he was super hard for me. Like once again, the um, the dodging for me was like a problem there because I'd always hit the bombs. Hit the mines. And that's it, it took. I avoided those mines so much in my first few attempts that like the the by the time that I like I was like my third attempt before I was like 
I need to just attempt to dodge over this to see if it blows up. And of course it does, and I just get ruined. But I was like, well, at least I know now. Like, yep. I can stop freaking out about it. But you can apparently, you can destroy them with the, uh, the, like, pulse grenade. Yeah, yeah, I tried that, but... It, it recharges, like, once every 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, fuck God, jeez. So you can upgrade I the just pulse had to get, to get good. Two. To get two pulse grenades, but yeah. it's like... This was very much a get good game. Yep. This is very, yeah, that's a good description. Yeah. Do we want to talk about how we got good after the break? Sure. Yeah. All right. Why do we always, like, intro the break as if we're about to, like, take a bubble bath or something? We are. Like a very low, <laughs> sensual voice. This has been, like, multiple casts in a row. This should, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't imply that we are not currently taking a bubble bath altogether. Well, we are. Yeah. We should strive to be more sensual through the totality of the cast. You guys shot down three men in a bed, so we went with three men in a bubble, bubble bath instead. <laughs> yeah. With the three men in a bed, there wasn't enough nudity. Right. wrinkles. Welcome back from the break. No Clip Podcast. Hyperlight Drifter. Did we say we were going to do a thing? Time for... We said something stupid. I don't I don't care. I meant before the break, not... not yeah, I said we were going to explain a... What? But you don't care anyway? About what I said, no. Okay, good. We're now doing a <laughs> no clickbait top seven <laughs> hardest bosses in, in Hyperlight Drifter. And I'm going to ask your opinion on each one as I go down the list. Sure. Number seven. The easiest boss in the game. We have Gothfrog, the boss of the East. He's sure. de- definitely the easiest. Definitely the easiest. Yep. Right. Why is he goth, though? He's got, like, a weird, like, in my interpretation of his artwork, yeah. is that he had, like, a flock of seagulls haircut <laughs> that was, like, partially dyed pink. He looked like straight, like, 80s, like, Gothrock. I, I just thought it was a moss. Yeah, he had moss. Yeah, he had, but, but it looks like a flag of seagull. <laughs> Passable. Number six. <laughs> Number six. Keyboard bird. That we previously discussed. I barely even remember his boss fight, which makes me think it was easy. Yeah, the boss of the north. Which direction did you go first, by the way? I went easy frog direction. Easy frog. I went north first. Cool. Yeah, I so, went counterclockwise from east. I like that we all went to the... Well, I kept trying to go south. Because mm, but you can't go that yeah, way. Yeah, because that's the direction we went in our D and D campaign. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And obviously, after we went south, we, we went, went west, west. So I went west first because south was blocked <laughs> up. So I was sabotaged before I even began. Uh, next up, I have uh, Ganondorf, uh, who is the guy who had who's like in the room with the drop floors, and he like threw like energy balls at you. I remember the drop floors, Eric, because I remember being very surprised when that happened. Was he one of the southern, like, triple robot mm-hmm. extravaganza bosses? Yeah. <laughs> the triple robot extravaganza bosses. On, on the same basis of the bird person, I'm going to say yes was also easy yeah, enough Yeah, he was for me. pretty easy. Yeah, t- yeah. Please tell me that you guys got the reflecto sword before you fought that guy. Because uh, yeah. I feel like that's the intended way of fighting I upgraded him. the sword first, so... Yeah. All the way. I didn't even know about the sword or the dash things until I was midway through the north because I just hadn't gone up that way. 
Because I had assumed that going that way was committing to that direction. Mm-hmm. And so I only knew about the health and gun upgrades. The, like, utility of the projectile reflection of the sword was kind of mirrored with me with the, like, absorbability of the dash upgrade. True. So w- any, t- any circumstance you think of where you just reflected projectiles back to be safe and damaged, mm-hmm. I inst- just imagine an I instead intentionally set up a dash that let me go through with it so that I can, yeah, I can but then shoot him with a gun. You can... Okay, then you then shoot them with a gun. Yeah, I use it as a way to get ammo intentionally. There's actually a boss that I'm going to ask you how you managed without the uh, the reflective sword in a minute. Okay. Uh, but I believe we've already discussed slightly drunk sniper. Yes. It, it yeah. was my hardest boss of the game, for sure. Uh, medium difficulty for the game. One of my favorites, though. I really liked having to be very careful with how you step. Yeah, it, it was a, a nice change because, well, I mean... The Ganondorf fight earlier, uh, when you like were to when you you were kind of locked down in the second phase when the floors dropped out because yep. you just had a square and those like islands in the corners, so it made it a lot more difficult to sort of like just maneuver how you want like you're able to with the other bosses. The but the sniper does a better job of it because like it places an actual danger that changes. Yes. The more I think about it, the more I'm seeing why you called that a Ganondorf fight. Because it really is just a Ganondorf fight if you have the sword reflection. Yeah, there, he, like, I, I assume that's like the intended like thing. Yeah, yeah. It's because like, he just has a big sword and throws energy balls. Like He's exactly like the Ganondorf fight. <laughs> it's really weird. Yep. Uh, Phantom Ganon is <laughs> my second hardest boss, uh, which is the final boss of the game. His name is apparently Judgment. Oh, no, I th- I thought he was second hardest, I think. That's what I put him as. Oh, second we're that hardest. far up on the list already? Yes, there aren't that many bosses in this game. Oh, wow, it was fast. I thought he was one of the easier bosses in the yeah. game. <laughs> this is the one that I don't, I don't know how you managed without the reflective sword, because uh, he does that, like, bullet hell thing, where he just, like, sprays out bullets yeah. everywhere. Did you just, like, get close to him and dodge through, or...? No, no, um, because I was, by that point in the game, so gun-focused, my, in fact, every time he was setting up after he did his, like, headbutt of destruction, <laughs> I would always make sure I was as far away from him as possible, so that, because when you have the sphere of bullets, they get progressively more separated. Well, you treated it like an actual bullet hell. Yeah. Where you just need to get in the position that you can just move around them. And since I was farther away, it gave me more setup time to intentionally dodge through them for bullet ammo. So, my yeah, my goal was generally just... You get ammo for doing that? Yep. Didn't even realize that was happening. Yep, that ended up being like the basis of the way I went through the end game. Was that makes more sense. Yeah, I, just, I found his attacks to be like really telegraphed and easy to dodge. Yeah. Cool looking, but yeah. I thought he was kind of disappointing. I, I thought he was my favorite boss, so... Yeah, the, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah, the but. force of him was supposed to be when they were trying to up-tempo at the end of the fight. He kept doing the same things, but just either chained them more or did them faster. Right. Which I found fun, but it took me like the third phase when it was like max tempo for me to really enjoy the boss. I just liked it generally. But like the, it's really satisfying with the Reflecto Sword to like just cleave huge sections. Yeah, you would just stand there. And, and just, like, send bullets yeah, in. Yeah, and you it's, would be fine, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's just, like, really cool to just... Because, like, you see, like, chunks of the cloud being, like, removed. So the whole bullet screen is bullets, you, and then just, like, 
blank spaces and him taking damage. It's it actually, so good. That's actually fantastic the more that I think about it, and I wish I used the sword reflection more. Because normally in circumstances like that where they do the sphere of death to try and accent how awesome this boss is, right. it's supposed to be a thing that's not very interactive to you. But the game does give you a whole lot of ways to meaningfully interact with even like the ways the boss is trying to damage you. Yeah. In a way that's more complex than just like a literal counter. Yeah. The like... Only enemy that I feel like lacked interaction, like meaningful interaction, were the uh, like little turret dudes who would pop up. And, oh yeah, because you couldn't hurt them; you mm-hmm. just had to go hit a switch or just move through them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. They're just not. It's not really fun, and it sucks to not be able. Like, it's basically just like a telegraph. Like, hey, there isn't anything important in this room. <laughs> right. Like, just go past it. Because it's a game that you, I kind of enjoyed, like searching things out. And yeah. These guys just said, fuck you, don't stay here. They incentivized it well enough. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, my hardest boss was King Santa. Yeah. And, yeah. The Christmas Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why Santa? He's got a beard. He's white. He's old. He does have a big white beard. I feel like he wore red. I had some reason that I could... Oh, because the area is... No, no, it's not. The north is It's crystally, yeah. It's crystally. It's like ice. It's crystally. I had not yeah. been to the north yet. I didn't know. But you're the, correct. Uh, there is like green and red, which are Christmassy colors. He's got yeah, a white yeah. beard. Also, his <laughs> his turret is the hanged man, so... A, a classic Christmas. <laughs> Suicide <laughs> rates are higher in Christmas. Yeah. So they call him the hanged man. I say, I don't think... It, it, looking at him, I don't think he looks like Santa at all. Uh, the tarot, the tarot <laughs> so. card hangman is hanging by his feet, not by either. Right, yeah, but I mean, it's just a it's a loose connection. But know? that's also a Christmas tradition. Hanging by your feet. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> so the price of Jungle Jim skyrockets around Christmas. <laughs> The price? As it was like openly traded markets of jungle gyms? Of course. Like, you don't, like, I'm gonna give you my jungle gym. There's nothing that happens. You don't, you sell the land. You don't sell the gym. It's just you metal bars. Once. Yeah. <laughs> like, once it's there, it's done. There's not, like, an exchange of jungle gyms. There's no secondary jungle gym market. There's a gray market for <laughs> jungle gyms that you're just not aware of. It's a rusty market. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Lord of Santa was extremely difficult, and uh, I forget, do you actually agree with with Santa's difficulty? I thought he was hard. He wasn't the hardest in the game, I don't think. Yours was sniper person? Yeah, Sterling okay. Archer. Yeah, but it, yeah I just, it, it, there was just a whole lot of delineation points with his fight. Like, it took me a while to realize that he could kill his own people. Yeah. And that was extremely helpful because I no longer had to save grenades for when there were multiple people. It was... Well, I didn't have the grenades. Uh, but, yeah, those guys are ridiculous in terms of, like, an ad on a boss. Because mm-hmm. it's like... Everyone else is... Like, any boss that had other people were, like, the, the bird guy. Yeah. Right? Had, like, those swooping guys who take one hit and die. <laughs> But you can only hit them when they're diving. Right. Yeah. Then it becomes like... He can also kill his own ads as well. True. Yeah, but the, this guy was like... Because they're, they're like the samurai dudes. Like, it's so hard to fucking kill those yeah, things. Yeah, they can fucking like, dodge your shit. Yeah. It's like, I can't just accidentally pick one of those guys off like nope. you can with the other like ads that, are, that exist in this game. And the sword loops are so... The timing windows of those are so intense. Like, yeah. you literally just don't have room to dodge a third attack... Yeah, in between like his two swings. So. Yeah, that's what it came down to for me. Like with beating that guy, just I had to 
initiate his last phase right after he finished a sword attack in his first phase. And then I would just put six shots into him while he was doing the stupid gun thing. Yeah. And then just dash her. <laughs> just hope to not die. Yep. Yeah. I completely agree with your bosses, at least within memory. In the meantime, though, uh, I do want to mention that like a lot of games in this vein, uh, I find myself really like the games where I'm I'm really attracted to the combat. Uh, this game did a good job of making me actually enjoy fighting the bosses, which was nice because a lot of times it's like I really if I really like the combat in the game, I usually really like playing the meat of the game and the bosses are always like kind of a letdown for me because it's it feels like so much of like a, a change in like the skills that I have or not. I can't explain it that well. It's just I'm not a big fan of like bosses most of the time. Mm-hmm. And this game the bosses felt like they weren't so overbearing that it became discouraging fighting them and they also used like different enough tactics. I feel like the aesthetic plays into it as well, because, like, older games had more... Like, bosses were a much more, like, varied experience because of, like, the way that they were set up. Like, things that come to mind are, like, Donkey Kong Country. Like, you spend the whole of the game jumping and doing platforming, and then when you encounter a boss, it's always this, like, complete change of pace. Like, jump on a cannonball and throw it at a guy. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) It's the the sort of it put me in the right mindset. So I I really liked them in this game. It, it I wasn't expecting to. Mm. Yeah. That seems to fit within the the general Chad narrative. Yeah. yeah, as I understand it. We spent a lot of time talking about the mechanics of things that have been going on, which mm-hmm. are is warranted because the mechanics of this are super interesting. We did mention at the beginning how sort of like free the narrative is, mm-hmm. but. I I want to talk about sort of the way that it's signaled in the game. This is all sort of coming back to at the end eventually. I think this game is maybe the most like uh, like four and a half star out of five star game I've ever played. If that makes sense, like if you had to take every point on like the rating scale and assign like one representative game to each spot, sure. I would pick Hyper Light Drifter as the four and a half star game. Uh, but I'm worried that that might be like too personal for me because going through all of this, I really did feel like this was the video game I would make if I had any notion of the skills necessary to make games or the time or the funding or anything. Right. Uh, but implied within that is also the idea that I really feel like this game is like so close. Like this game had the opportunity to be like my favorite game of all time by a massive margin but was, like, missing a zero at the end of uh, the, like, funding numeral that they had. Right. Yeah. Like, if this game just had enough time and enough extra manpower to just add a whole lot more polish and a whole lot more, like, variation, specifically in the way that the narrative is implied and presented to you, I feel like I would be, like, raving crazy about this game for the rest of my life. Because the actual combat structure is pretty much exactly the kind of stuff that I really like and engage in. It's Dark Souls, but really, really fast and really, really stylish. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's let's give some practical examples here in terms of how like the narrative stuff progresses. Like after the totally awesome. Well, if, if you're gonna jump into the narrative, yeah, I like if that is like the thing that is 
keeping that half star off. Well, largely. It, not the content of the story. It's the way that it's presented to you. Because the content of the story is pretty normal. Right. I just think that there are a lot of like missed opportunities and sort of like creativity and variance in the game that I thought was missing. Like, I, I th- completely agree. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I do agree with that, and yeah. we'll get it. I, the thing that I want to respond to, though, is that you so highly like praise the things that this game does in terms of like the mechanics that we'd already been talking about. Yep. And I find that really like I am genuinely really surprised by that notion because like I found I, I explained this to Andy a while ago is I feel like the game has a lot of things that I think were done perfectly and that I really enjoyed and it had other things that I just outright hated. There was very little that was in the middle and I came out of the game not feeling like it was like an average of the two but that it was an experience that was defined by things that I really enjoyed and things that I really didn't enjoy. And that like really like and things like like the combat I think are really well done but like most 3D games in the same vein that I've played, I feel like do it better. Like, I enjoy playing games like Bloodborne or like Devil May Cry more for their combat that is like both ranged and melee focused and fast paced than this game. Well, I'll get back to you on those comparisons after I play Bloodborne, which for Fair similar enough. reasons to this game, I've always been talking to you guys, once I can afford a PS4 and once I right. play it, has a high chance of being just like the best thing I've ever touched. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think the reason why 2D seems like, you know, like perfect game for me set up in comparison, not just to like of it's a 2D game because it's an indie game and if I made a game I could only afford to make an indie game <laughs> right uh, is it, it adds a lot of like precision in the interactions like we were talking about before with the hitboxes and things like that true uh, it allows it makes it a lot easier to have like a Dark Souls style scenario where you just are certain that you lost because of something you did and that it was your fault like Dark Souls had to work really, really hard on all of its animations and setup to make that sort of thing explicit to the player and keep things from feeling cheap as much as possible. Not just in encounter design, but in like specific fights. Yeah, like the actual mechanical sense of being hit by a thing. Yeah, yeah. I felt similarly to the way that that combat works in this 2D game because it was set up clean enough that I always felt like if I got hit by something. I could have avoided it. Right. You, you you are given enough freedom of motion, and the game has enough, like, through New Game Plus, also, this is highly accidental because you only have two health bars at that point. Uh, yeah, New Game Plus in this game is your health is the same, but your health is two. I now understand why the achievement for completing New Game Plus is called Masochist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the game... But wait, you have, like, two health packs, or you have literally two hits? Two hits. You have two pips on your health bar. That's insane. You Most attacks deal more than two damage. I know. which is, But the mechanics of this game are set up in such a way that mastery is possible right. to that sort of extent. And I've talked in other episodes of the cast how that's something that I really, really attach to in games. Fair. I like always having the ability to just completely wreck a thing. Which is also why I kind of <laughs> wish that I could have looked up in uh, like speedruns of this game. Because I can only imagine what speedruns have to look at once you have chain dashing in this game. The game actually does a thing. This is, I don't know if this is off topic or not. But on that, in that sense where it's like, unless somebody like has found like some major flaw in the game that they can exploit to make this faster, the game does a thing that speedrunners really hate, which is that it absolutely requires you to get 
a certain number of a thing to proceed. Because, like, I thought that I could beat the game after defeating all of the bosses, and I had skipped, I guess, a diamond in the north and had to go back and get it. Oh, man. And uh, it doesn't let you finish things. Like, a, a visible, like, empty slot huh. in the yeah. You have tower. to get four diamonds in so, each sector. Yeah, you have to get four diamonds and pull and up the... the, the, the like, pillar. Yeah. The, but yeah, yeah. you have to be yeah. dumb as shit to miss pulling up the pillar. It's almost... It's like so crit path that... Right. Well, I wouldn't actually say that necessarily because, actually, like, I you, did that you with... clearly missed a post-boss gun at some point. Yeah. Because there are lots of times that you could... Like, kill a boss and just warp back, or just, like, kill the boss, pull the I think I missed it on my first boss, which is the one to the north. Right. Because the room, you have to, like, go up behind the throne. And then go around. Yeah, and it, to me, like, the first time there, it didn't look like I could walk that way. Yeah. Like, it looked like it was a wall. Right. So I missed it, then I had to go back for it. It's fair. It also answers a question that I forgot to write in my notes that I'm remembering now about the design of those like little the, the purpose of those crystals, because it was actually surprising to me when I found the fifth one in any area. I had no idea that you could have more than four. Right. Um, it was very confusing because I after I knew that I didn't know like are four of these crit path or is it actually variable? Because I couldn't remember from my playthrough like how many of them I had to go down little like secret avenues or things that weren't necessary in order to get them. I think there's, like, an intended for that you're quote-unquote supposed to get. Right. But I think it would be possible to do, like, to get different ones. Yeah, because I remember, I think it was in the West, I got, like, I think two out of my four in secret areas before I hit the boss, Mm -hmm. and that was the first time this thought really occurred to me, where it's like, are you required to find these secrets? The, The West was not... It's not what I would like my, like, shining example of what this game is to be. Yeah. Because I remember texting Andy and I was like, yo, fuck am I supposed to be doing in this game? Because I had no idea. And, like, I actually got stuck in the West not being able to find a, a crystal to get yeah. for a while. Yeah. Sounds like North I actually it. think that the West is the weak point of this game, especially if you would have gone there first. Because I think the weak points of this game are... The fact that it doesn't define anything or use words or tell you anything at all other than the basic controls, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what exactly you're doing at first before, like, you're just kind of wandering around for a while before you figure out, like, oh, I gotta get these diamond things. Right. (laughs) So I think, yeah, it's, there's there's a hurdle to jump at the beginning. Yeah. For sure. And also, I think some of, as much as I like the aesthetic and the pixel art, there's some areas where, like, the way it's designed, like, you can't tell exactly, like, where you're supposed to go or if you're able to go somewhere or, like, what the clear path is. Yeah. that's Thank God that in the, like, tutorial area... They make you dash up a wall, like where oh, they have yeah. those things, because they were because that me that places the blame squarely on me for constantly just strolling past ladders and not even noticing. Yeah, like yeah, but there are lots of things where the the pixel art obscures paths, and they put like those little fucking squares to be like, there's a way to go this way. Yeah, the mm-hmm. secret square. Right, but there were times when I would like walk toward something or whatever, and there would be what I would as- I assumed was like 
an aesthetically pleasing tree. But really, when I walked past the tree, I was just walking against a cliff and would just jump off like an idiot. Yeah. And I like that kind of thing kind of bugs me, and part of the reason why I prefer games that are in 3D yep. in this style, because it's like, it's very clearly defined where things are. Not that camera problems don't exist. Right, but you can control the camera. Most yeah, of the time. Cameras has to be really bad on a 3D game where it would be literally impossible for you to get information about what's standing in front of your character. Right, but in a 2D game that's like a limitation of the medium. Yeah. yeah. But you're definitely correct about the art style. The thing that I always thought about in terms of a way it was inhibiting me is that the game really incentivizes you to try and always like reach the thing off screen, like, yeah. to go to the edges, and even if they don't have a little square, you can always like jump to things sometimes that are surprising that you'd be able to jump to. But I remember there were specific areas that have like black spires, and it's unclear whether they're like decorative where you can actually stand on them. Yep, mm-hmm. there would be. I remember several times like seeing like a like a whatever the currency pickups. I'm like, oh. can I dodge to that? Should I try? Am I going to die? You know, like, you know, so there were points where I'm like, the game wants me to explore, but like, I'm not sure if I should, because I don't know if I'm going to die. It's a big penalty for failure. Yeah. The game wants there to be a big penalty for failure when I, and I'm glad that it has one, but there's, there's some tension there between trying to explore with your jump. Right. Right. So yeah, I felt like it lacked some polish there and I felt like the biggest example of where it needed it was the West. Yeah. That's yeah, that basically that showcases the the other big thing that I really dislike about this is just I loved combat encounters and I wanted the game for me to just be like da- like darting between encounters, like just going from one place to another. Um, but the actual area traversal I found really tedious. And it was satisfying to find like a secret, but in terms of things like the monoliths and the the keys, they don't actually provide you with a direct benefit until you've gotten a bunch of them. And if it's not your goal to do that, you're not going to find enough for them to make a difference. Yep. Yeah. I found I, I found maybe like four keys and maybe like one monolith, like my first playthrough. Yeah. One yeah. monolith. Oh man, I found a bunch of the monoliths. I. How many I have no sixteen total. Yeah, like like it kind of baffled me when like I was doing some googling, like how much secret shit there is in this game. Because like, yeah. I mean, like I didn't go out of my way to explore a ton or anything, but like, I I felt like I did like the average amount of exploration that like an like the normal person would, and I right. barely found any secrets. Did you find the way to get back to the tutorial zone? Nope. Nope. Oh man, that was. This is. Do you curl up in a ball in a nest and a bird takes you there? No. Oh, okay. Close though. <laughs> <laughs> but th- this is also sort of emblematic of the whole like four and a half out of five star thing. Uh, there's a-, a way up in the sort of like northern icy mountains where you can start going back down the mountains again and eventually reach like the very first like thunderstormy place. So when you scale the entirety of the mountain down, um, that you- like the thunderstormy place where you begin. Yeah. The shore. <laughs> I, d- I did that. Not all shores are stormy. I, I didn't know that. I got I got to a point where I was going, and I remember because I was going back for that fourth crystal, yeah. and I did that. I was just like, "Where do I find it?" And I went up, and then I got to around there, and then I checked the map and realized that the thing was on the other side and just warped back to the. 
<laughs> so I got really close to finding that and then just was like, oh, fuck it. But yeah, that's where the payoff for the monoliths Oops. are. You go all... Remember how when you're going through there, eventually you just, like, cough and go unconscious and the guy rescues you? Yeah. You can keep going after that point when you revisit it, and there's, like, a temple, like, right in the next room where, like, the text of all the monoliths is just sort of displayed, and there's a little uh. thing in the room... Which, uh, like, you, you can has the little interaction prompt where your robot comes in, but you can't do anything with it yet. And it looked like what's inside of it, which was weird at the time, and I wasn't sure. I thought it was, like, another weapon or something. Turns out, in retrospect, after Googling, it's just, like, another costume. Oh, that you okay, can makes get. sense. Yeah. yeah, you get, like, an awesome black costume. Well, that's, like, that's the appropriate type of reward for that kind of, like, a, a search. I totally disagree. If it was trying to find, like, the keys or something, sure. But the monoliths have narrative weight. Like that's the yeah, but there's no mechanical difference between them. They're just both things that are in hidden areas. Yes, there is a. You get like mechanical benefits for the costumes. It's not telegraphed at all, but there are mechanical differences for the costumes. What? Yeah, you can Google it. They're slight enough that it would be hard for you to realize them. The exception is the black one, which just gives you an extra piece of health. But oh, a, wow. a lot of the other ones, uh, I found other than the prescribed one that you're supposed to find. I only found one other costume because um, I ended up. This was. I talked earlier about that hard spike puzzle I googled. There's like a crazy spike puzzle past the like eight crystal door to the west, I think it is. Sure. Uh, where you have to essentially just like do the chain dash thing continuously over spikes forever or you die. <laughs> Uh, but you get to the end of that, and you got and you get like I got like a neon green one, which I was happy about that I wore forever. And then like immediately after this, because I was going counterclockwise, I got the other costume and was like, oh. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, but the the point being is that the, it turns out again after googling that most of the things that we know with absolute certainty about the game, like all the proper nouns and things, come from tr like literal translations of those monoliths. Okay. Uh, they all have like sort of poetic text that people interpret one way or the other. But I, I had to give up for time reasons. I didn't like go exploring for everything. Right. But I, afterwards, was thinking like, oh, it'd be really awesome. I, like I went into it assuming that I was intentionally skipping out like an alternative ending or something. Right. But, like getting all these monoliths was going to like really explain the mystery of the game. That's also kind of what my assumption was. Yeah, but then it turns out you just get a costume, mm -hmm. and that, it, you, the only way you get is like going the impossible extra mile of literally translating the glyphs on the screen. If you think that... Like, okay, when I said that I thought that that was a perfectly appropriate, uh, like, reward for that, mm -hmm. um, my assumption was that your alternative would be, like, a cool new gun that did, like, a thing. No, no. Because I'm, like, adamantly against, like, things that are, like, huge mechanical differences for going like an extra mile. I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. It was the narrative change is what I was looking for. Right, something that actually had like a significant amount yeah, of weight to I, it. Yeah, I agree. That would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. But like, I also, I feel like I, I'm a huge like lore junkie as I've made clear on this cast. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like the lack of any kind of explanations about anything made me like way less interested in it. You're right, and I was always expecting to find the explanations. Yeah, like it was interesting in an artistic. Because you at some need point. you need a thread to pull, yeah. and this game doesn't really give you one. Yeah, I did not require that at all. 
You all, you yeah. look at these things differently. <laughs> I played this know? game and had a good time fighting things in like a surrealist. No, I mean, like paradise. I mean, for you to care about the lore. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Not Again. not to enjoy the game. Yeah. Four and a half. It was yeah. great. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm saying end of the game. I didn't care about the lore or the story at all. See, and I'm was right. just happy hitting things. See, in the see, I felt. So kind of that way as well. I had like a mild curiosity about it. Right. Where I felt like I should be really like interested in it. Right. Like the Dark Spectre. Like I always the Dark Spectre's appearance in like over the course of the game ended up becoming routine. Like the final boss. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like I it's literally just telegraphed every time he appears, which is when you're trying to create like this evil spirit that is following you around constantly and can kill you at any moment, which the game seems to want to play up with all of the coughing stuff and the low time and how he just like appears in literal like one frame flashes as you're going downstairs. I honestly did not read it that way. Like I, I he was like a constant thing coming for yeah, you. Yeah, I thought that it was like uh, not necessarily like a hallucination, but like a just like a recurring bit. Like you pull the thing up, releases tons of power. Which like bucks with you, and then you just like pass out, and just, it's like a recurring nightmare. Sure, but that's still like I didn't feel like I was constantly in threat of being murdered, narratively speaking. Okay, yeah, I did not feel like I was. Being I chased. felt like I was being murdered by everything on every plane of existence <laughs> at once, but it was unrelated to the narrative. I would have, I guess you're right in that respect. I would, even though I would have personally preferred something more like. The uh, like the X monster in Metroid Fusion, which is a game probably neither of you have played. I love Metroid Fusion. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yes. But yeah, what I wanted was like, but again, for like the, favorite the, Metroid. the above and beyond like surprise in the narrative. I didn't want to just keep going through collecting the crystals, and even though the encounters were fun and varied, I wanted to feel like there was something that really shook up what I was doing, made me right. care about something different than just like the video gamey aspects of it. Yeah. I wanted there to be like a scene where like. Oh no, you coughed too much this time in the middle of one of these, you know, east-west areas, and now you're just being chased by this unkillable thing for a while. It's almost like I wish that there were more prescribed narrative sections in this game. The reason I brought up Metroid Fusion was because I thought that's one of the best, clearest cuts examples of this. You remember that with the the, SAX? Yeah, the SAX is, if you haven't experienced this, Andy, it is literally just a thing that, like, kills you in one hit and is better than you in every way and faster. Yeah, actually, the best part of it is that, especially when you get later into the game, it doesn't kill you in one hit. Yeah. And, like, you're just, like, flailing as it's just, like, coldly shooting missiles at you and just ruining your life. Yes. Like, a main mechanic of fusion in going through it is that you had to just literally hide from this thing. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do that by trying... Well, I, this has been so many years that I may forget, but I don't remember it being prescribed to hide from it. I just remember me naturally having to hide from an enemy in a video game. Yeah, you would, like, walk into a room, and, like, the music cue would play, and you would just be like, oh, fuck, gotta get out of here. <laughs> and so you just start dashing in one direction and, like, trying to, like, just find a hole to crawl into. Yeah, yeah. and just literally just sit in your hole until it leaves. And they did that classic... Oh, man, dude... I'm not going to talk too much about Metroid. Yeah. Metroid as a fucking 2D, like, side-scrolly, platformy, exploration-type game mm-hmm. has some of the best cinematography in games ever. And Fusion did that really well, and I think Super Metroid does that really well. I so, agree. just, yeah. Mm. But the reason I'll bring up all these examples is it's a way that the game could have gone, like, above and beyond and made me care more about the antagonistic force. 
Like, I felt like the horrible black thing... I ended up not caring much about it by the end of the game when I eventually fought and killed it, because it seemed just sort of, like, perfunctory. Like, uh, at this point, I knew every time I was going to get to one of those monoliths, I was going to experience a flashback where it wrecked my shit, but wasn't actually threatening to me. Mm-hmm. And then I'd eventually get to the end and beat it and win. And I just won. Like, there wasn't there wasn't a twist, there wasn't a surprise, or anything. it wasn't anything else. It was just the normal, sort of step-by-step hero narrative I just wasn't surprised. I wish I was surprised more by what was going on in the narrative. It, of the it game. almost feels like it needs another act. Yes. Like like you you do all four things, then something narrative happens, and then you have to do a few more things to get to the final boss. Right. Totally. Which is part of the reason that I I said that I wish the budget had another zero. I just wanted to be more yeah. things. If you go I mean, back and watch the, the trailer... The fourth part of the game, though, is so long in comparison to the other parts. Like, just because, like, each thing you find basically is a boss fight attached to it. Mm-hmm. And then... Which are all, like, new and interesting boss fights. Oh, yeah. And then you go through the areas and eventually get to the final boss. I remember, like, by the... When I got to the south area, I was, like, ready for the game to be over. And, like... My, I was, like, aching for that, like, game-complete credits roll endorphin rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, when I encountered the first, like, sub-boss, uh, which was the the fake diamond guy, mm-hmm. um, I remember, like, beating him and then getting the first crystal and then, like, being put, like, being put back in the hub world and was just, like, like, I was just like, alright, like, settle in we've got, like, a large area to go. <laughs> and I remember being actually pretty pumped about it. Like, I, I thought that the South was done well enough that uh, I was excited, like, to enter each new arena, and, like, I liked the fact that there were a bunch of bosses and stuff. Right. I See, I, I agree that it totally works mechanically. Yeah. But, like, it needed it needed another, like, narrative punch or like even a first narrative punch. Yeah, or curveball. Yeah, or curveball. It was just environmental storytelling that you were supposed to guess at, but nothing like they never paid off in any way. It just kept doing the same things you expected that would happen in any sort of hero's journey. Yeah, it's, 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 it does seem like a good vessel to like do something unexpected. If if a game But then it never does. If a game that has like uh narrative beats and and like twists has narrative punch to it. This game is like having a narrative slow acting poison, but like not high enough a dose, and you eventually get over it anyway. <laughs> well, he does die at the end. Well, that's true, but you do not die from no. the unexpected narrative, amazing right plot. <laughs> I just what said words in a row at the end. You what didn't die example. from the unexpected. I can't even say words either. The poison is taking effect. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> Like, a tiny example of something like this that I also, again, thought there was going to be some kind of payoff or explanation for is that one of the earliest things that was striking to me about these, like, environmental storytellings of the game was how you wake up from saves and respawns. Like, you wake up when you load a save the same way you wake up when you die. You're like, yeah. you, it's like you were just, like, fell unconscious and now you're conscious again. Were you, like, thinking it was going to pull some kind of Shadow of the Colossus yeah. stuff? Anything. I don't know. Just, I, I didn't read that much into it, but I assumed there was something there. I assumed it was going to give me the thing eventually. I was going to drink the sweet nectar of narrative, and it gave me nothing. The sweet, sweet nectar. <laughs> and it gave me nothing. <laughs> now, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, that's... 
the th- the lack of narrative, like pretty much at all, is what kept me from like really loving this game. I remember at one point, uh, in like a delirium of like constantly retrying the Western boss, at one point I actually opened the options menu, thinking genuinely, even though like applying any rational thought to this, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, genuinely hoping that there was going to be a setting that turned off the respawn animation. Like I just had this weird moment where I was like. God, I hope I can just, like, skip the respawn, because, like, the two seconds that I was oh, spending yeah. not fighting the boss... Such is... a weird moment for Chad. Is thinking, it was just... <laughs> oh, if only I could remove this one second. second delay. I just, re- like, because I thought about it immediately after opening the options menu, and I was like, what is wrong? <laughs> but, like, I had this, like, like I said, it was like a delirium. I was not in the same state of mind that I normally am as a human being when I was fighting that boss. We excuse you. <laughs> it's just so strange. This game, I don't know what made me just think of this, but it seems like it, sh- it should have, like, its own, like, comic book series, like games used to back in the day. Because right. they had, like, a lack of narrative, so they would get, like, a like a comic book series to kind of like fill in that gap for fans. Yeah. I would like to see any like artist's representation of this game. Yeah, they could keep even the sort of no talking stick going and just make it like a paneled graphic card thing. And yeah. That would, could still work. That would be very cool. That's our hope for the future. Yes. Yeah. To a lesser extent also compared to all this narrative stuff we've been talking about, I also feel like the music didn't have as much punch as I was hoping it was going to. Like, this might just be me not liking as much as other people the sort of, like, electronica stuff or however you'd accurately describe the music in this game. I'm not entirely sure. That's the thing. I actually did have a thing on the music that I forgot about, so go ahead with your... Oh, it was... Because it makes sense that the, like, electronic music is supposed to be sort of, like, mellow all the time. Oftentimes sort of, like, jarringly mellow compared to what's happening like in the eastern zone when there are all these bodies and shit yeah because uh, other games have attempted things like that before and metroid prime being what i'm thinking of right now they always have you, you can come upon implied horrible scenes less gory than what's depicted in this game right but things that seem like they'd be bad but the music just seems to continue to not care about them but the difference between this game and, and a metroid prime or in a more extreme example to a Dark Souls, is that they never, like, break that mellowness with the music ever. Mm. It seemed like in the bosses, things just sort of got louder, and I only ever noticed that it was getting louder because when I'd respawn, I'd listen to the music fall back down again. Right. Like, I never I never really appreciated the music in the same way that I'd appreciate a, a music in a whole lot of other video games. I actually liked the music in this game because I, I feel like this is the kind of soundtrack that I wish Dark Souls had. Which is like, it's ambient, it's in the background, and sometimes you even, like, forget that it's there. Sure. But I do agree, it would have been nice to have contrast between bosses. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. It wasn't, I liked the mellowness in the context of just overworld explanation. I just, exploration. I just wish that there was, like, a crazy up-tempo thing in the same way that Dark Souls had, like, it's crazy Latin madness whenever <laughs> you, you would go into, like, a Boston area. Cause this is the, obviously, that's the highest contrast that could ever exist in any video game was Dark Souls' case. But yeah, it was, like, literally zero to... to of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Metroid Prime still had, like... Like, I remember songs from bosses in Metroid Prime, and the only thing I really remember about the music in Hyperlight Drifter... The venue. 
the or menu, the opening, sure. like the. I mean, okay. yeah, like in the game, I remember the chime that generally signals judgment. Right. That's mm. about right. it. I remember that chime noise. Speaking of judgment, did you guys ever try to kill the crows? Like after you woke up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every oh, yeah, single time, time yeah. I tried to hit the <laughs> I, I assumed they were in some way evil. Right, of course. Yeah, they so. show up in their time. The, the thing that I wanted to say about the music um, is that, like, because in a game like this, you almost expect it to have, like, sort of like an 80s synth soundtrack where it's, like, faster paced and something like Hotline Miami had. Sure. Like, just given that visual. And the fact that they, they went with sort of, like, a droning... That's really just the best word I can use to describe yeah. it, is that it is droning. See, I think it fits the game really well. It fits the tone really well. The The issue that I have, and I mean, the, the music was written by an artist uh, called Disaster Piece, and I believe that they produce music, generally speaking, just as a musician would. Like, they don't score things. Okay. And I think that that is what kind of hurts it, is because when you're scoring for a game, you have to like anticipate the fact that the people who are listening to it are going to be listening to it for a while. <laughs> and I found a lot of times this game's music would start out I would be totally cool with it or not notice it at all being, you know, good or bad in some way and then after like prolonged exposure to it suddenly being like I really wish they would have used like something a little bit more melodic or just Catchy. not as like uh, like a ringing in your ears. Mm -hmm. There are times when the music just got to like an almost trance-like point, and I, it just it didn't sit well. I'm I'm okay with things being trance-like and the sort of enjoyable monotony of overworld travel, but I I want to exit that sort of trance when something surprising happens. But the game tended to not accent those things. I think I think what they were going for in that situation is that the like, you would approach these these moments, and it's not different, because the, in real life, the world wouldn't change around you to react to the fact that like, you stumbled across a dead body. Yeah. Part of the thing that's, like, so shocking about seeing something, like, terrifying is the fact that it doesn't change what's around you. It's just, like, suddenly mind, yeah. something bad is in front of me, and I have to deal with it, because I'm the only person who's, like, aware of it. Yeah. The like mystical composer AI is not suddenly like, eh. <laughs> sure, but you've got to admit that that's not like you can't apply that argument equally to all uses of music to accent things anywhere. I oh think no, I agree with you completely. I was just yeah. arguing what I or what I think they may have been going for, which is why I think it's cool in overworld situations right. where that's you're trying to represent the environment that you're in more than the like set piece in each individual room. Right. Yeah, like I'm I'm glad that when you approach like one of the giants that's like hanging onto a thing that like there wasn't a scene where the camera zoomed over to it. Sure. It just right. was there. Yeah. No fallen titan theme song or right. anything. <laughs> it's good environmental storytelling, but Yeah. Yeah, huge props to the environment, like, design, and the artists and everybody who worked on, like, the game. Yeah. That part of the game. Do you think they made the map intentionally horrible? Oh, we didn't talk about the map. We always, like, that's how we always begin map-based segments. <laughs> we were like, oh, right, the map. I 
also thought the map was horrible. Yeah. Is it intentionally horrible, though? Why would they do that? So, to make the world seem confusing and alien to you and make you realize that you just had to go through it anyway. I want to know why you think the map was horrible, because I have only one complaint with the map, but I do think it ruined it. Did you ever once use it like a map? Did you ever, like, I need to know where, how to get from A to B, let's open this and figure out how to do that? Yes. When? Like, after you find where all of the diamonds are, yeah. it, like, puts out generally where they are in the map. So I was able to say, like, if I warp to here and I need to get to that one, generally speaking, I need to move in that direction. And actually, the terrain is marked on the map. So if there's a staircase, the staircase is represented on the map, mm-hmm. which is useful, but the one thing that killed it for me is that it doesn't show your player moving yep, when you're right? in an area. Yeah, yeah. Like, See, that bugs me. I tried to use it like a map. I think I was in the eastern area, and the diamonds were up on the thing, and I was, like, trying to find the specific one and could not get to it yeah. based on, like, where it looked like it was on the map. And, like, it was just, like, infuriating. Yeah. yeah the the east was by far the worst in terms of, like, Actually, being able to find I ended up just using it like a checklist. I'm like, there's this many diamonds left. That's the only thing I use the map for. I I just I don't. I think it was intentional, but I I just could not find my way back to places in this game. I guess I never needed to. Luckily, that theory makes some kind of sense because I also think that's why there's no dialogue in the game. I think they're trying to put you in the shoes of the drifter who would be like foreign to this place and wouldn't understand their language. Which, on that note, I love that when you talk to people, you just hear, like, a grunt, and uh, it, like, will occasionally display, like, an, an illustration. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, yeah. It's and it's really a good. robot that's doing the talking. Right. You know, it's the little translator creature. One of those images, I feel like I pulled kind of an Andy on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk to somebody who looks like you who's, like, leaning against a building, oh, yeah, and yeah. his image is, like, a bunch of animals... Like the animal, the humanoid animal people, yeah, in a dark alley, and him like laying on the ground in a pool of blood. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, animal people, like, turned around, and I was like, they're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just suspicious of all of the people in uh, the hub world that they were gonna like turn on me at any moment, yeah. Like, I thought that was going to be the climax, but like, that never went anywhere, also, no, yeah. Like, I think like, they just yeah, I was that actually, guy that's something that I was uh curious about as to if he had like a story thread that went anywhere. Not that I know of. One like of the it, tablets is like, oh, and also that animal group. My, beat up my guess you. was that like you would do something or bring him something, and then he would like give you his costume or something. Yeah, maybe it's a thing that no one has found yet. It's, it's like possible. a super secret. This no, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the kind of game that would never have that. Yeah. There is no super hidden narrative thing in this game. There are hidden, like what, like little currency balls and there's lots of them and they might be super hard to find but i'm pretty sure everyone's found all the currency balls by now right because presumably after you collect all the currency balls you, you get to have everything yeah. oh and you do get an achievement for it so you yes. know if you found it has been confirmed it basically this item this game has a lot of hidden checklist items yep that's about all yeah it in a similar vein describing the animal people everything in that wasn't Anything that wasn't your mechanical interaction with the game felt very static. 
Like, nothing outside of you did much of anything. Yeah. yeah everything was just sort of a picture. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's kind of excusable for a game of this scale. I agree, which is why I wish it was a higher scale of a game. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Everybody was static, but it was a really well composed static image of a town. Beautiful. It yeah. was a painting. Yes. I went to a film and I saw a gorgeous, gorgeous painting. You went to a film and yeah. saw that's a the, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's my point, is that I went to a film and okay. expected there to be moving images, and instead I saw a fucking gorgeous painting. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't think that's a very good analogy. Well, fine. You guys can spit on my It's, it's more like you went to see a film and someone presented you with a flip book of a ball bouncing. That it, Well, that sort of implies that this game is just like an unequivocal failure. <laughs> That's why. That's or, or, it also implies that films aren't anything more than a series of static images. Well, we're... No. <laughs> they have sound. Sort of flip book. Checkmate. <laughs> The sound of the flips, and you can make the noise. Yeah, like mouth sounds. Yeah. I mean, what are movies? I like the flip books and mouth sounds. Man, why, as a kid, have I never experienced someone like attempt to like narrate what's going on in a flip book? I feel like I've seen that in a cartoon. It's which definitely been in a cartoon. Weirdly, like, there's a weird parallel there. Yeah, it was like there's a character that's doing a flip book, and he's narrating it. Was it Bugs Bunny? No, no. it's like a more modern cartoon. Yeah. It's like it's a it's a flip book of like a character another character that he's showing it to yeah. like walking and then like something terrible happens to them. I remember this specifically being a thing. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to think of it. Was it like the reboot of Looney Tunes? No, it's not Looney. Why is why is why would it be Looney Because <laughs> I it seems like a thing Bugs Bunny would do. It, was it like does one kind of, his, of seem like, like a thing that Bugs Bunny would do. Antic pranks. He always had lots of accessories in his True. antics. Lots of like other shit involved in Looney Tunes. They would just pull out of nowhere. Yeah, well, that's why they had to like establish a whole separate corporation to like provide all of the shit. Well, that's more Wiley e. Coyote did the stuff with Acme Corporation. Wasn't yeah. Acme in like all of them? I mean, it was like a through line. But well, it was mostly just Wiley. Wiley Coyote like was their stuff. primary like buyer. Oh, he's definitely the progenitor and definitely their primary buyer. I don't. But know. I sort of always thought Acme was like a shadow corporation in the background of the Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> I think Not shadow it, and like evil shadow and like secret. I think that it is, but I don't know if any of the other characters ever bought stuff from it except for Wiley Coyote. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be joined by our friend Fawn, uh, and we're going to be talking about the PlayStation 2 platformer classic, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can. Here's how. <laughs> <laughs> we promise it's possible. It can you a... find out? Yeah. It, like, through means such as noclippodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter at Noclip Podcast, on YouTube, Noclip, and I feel like I'm forgetting one. I don't know. I don't know. They'll have links to the rest. That's Just follow true. the web. It's okay? a, yeah, it's a cyclic kind of it's thing. It's all connected. And if at all possible, please leave a review right on iTunes. Uh, tell a buddy about us. And send us questions and things. We like those. Yeah. Yep. 
We should quit the podcast and figure out uh, yeah, how... Let, let's quit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be on strike, Chad. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, we demand uh, a raise. Thank you yeah. for listening to the podcast this week. What are we playing next time, Chad? <laughs> uh, next time. Jeez. <laughs>